I've always felt different. I've always seen things, but when I tried to express them as a child, I was always told to ignore it. There were people that I didn't know that came to me and said, I have this message that I keep getting that I have to deliver to you. All of a sudden, out of the shadows, a homeless man just jumped right in front of me, and he said, I'm a soul just like you. I love it. I wanted to understand the universe and who and what we are and what are we doing here. We're all part of this amazing soul wave tapping into each other. This was a major life changer. You are a light. You have helped me a ton. Thank you. You've given me the courage to live more from my soul. Millions of people are awakening. So wake up with Michelle Miche. Be pleased to hear the best-selling authors and experts in the fields of cutting-edge self-help, personal growth, metaphysics, and spirituality. The soul path of awakening. Understand what living awake is. Hello, everyone. Welcome. If you're new to the program, having just surfed in or somehow found us, Great to connect with you. I hope you enjoy your time with us. And if you're tried and true, subscribed and hanging out with us for the duration, always great to connect with you. Really, it is. Oh, I'm a little foggy. I'm having my tea. I'm having a desarling black tea with a little lemon. Keeping the vibration lighter than my decaf Americano. If you are listening by the phone, that's great. If you have a question or a comment or you want a reading, please press 1 on your keypad. So if you're in the queue waiting for a reading, please press 1 on your keypad, and that lets me know that you want to get on air. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to everyone that's left amazing appreciation comments on our Apple podcast and um, other locations. Uh, hey, everyone in the chat getting in there. Welcome. Also, let me know how the sound is, please. Um, we've had a couple, I've had some readings from a couple of listeners. Uh, Velvet Chair, um, I think that's her code name or whatever, her handle on um, Instagram. But she's from Australia. We had a great time the other day. Um, <clears throat> yeah, had some great readings with people that listen to the show and. Um, Thank you, Dee Dee, about the sound. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we, we, like, totally dived in. <clears throat> so, anyway, enjoying it very much so. Um, somebody else, who was it that my our crown chakra was going, going, going? <laughs> you know who you are, okay? You know who you are. I feel you in my heart. So, yeah, that was pretty amazing. <clears throat> pretty amazing. Um so just want to thank you all for the connecting and sharing. And also, I'm loving what's happening over at Soul Insights with Michelle Mache YouTube. Thank you guys for joining there and supporting the channel and leaving your comments and letting me know how the readings are unfolding for you. I just love tuning into the etheric plane, um, connecting into everyone to the subtle energy. Which, which leads me to our question. We you know, I'd like to answer email questions. Obviously, people call in. Dini, thank you. You love my videos. Yeah, so I've been doing a weekly. We've got the weekly soul insights. I'm due for a couple more pick of cards. And then I'm doing the monthly where I tune in through the lens of astrology. And I say that because 
it's geared to whomsoever, who, you know, whoever really watches, you know, all readings are in a way timeless um, because time is so fluid. But, um, yeah, so if, if you want to join me over there, please subscribe. You know, I want to get those community going. Um, I just love it. I just love people shining their light, sharing what they're going through, like on our Awakenings community page, group page, whatever you want to call it, on Facebook. Um, those of you that are listening, you know, go over there, sign up. I don't want to push anything, of course, but love it if you would. And really, it's a, it's about sharing inspiration, okay? It's like holding that polarity or that um, – it's not political and a kind of not really wanting people to post politically and also the other admins that are supporting. Um, but your art, your music, if it's upright, if it's um, uplifting, right, if it raises you up, if it's about awareness, awakening, consciousness, spirituality, meditation, I am, you know, there's a place for political activism or all that kind of stuff. And I've, I've you know, had my little stay in, in those kinds of areas. But I think you find your lane. And I really think there needs to be a place that people go to just to get uplifted. Real deal, if people are going through hard times, yeah, you can post that, help me, what do I do, this and that. But there's so much out there about the other, and it's just, you know, especially with the politics, and those of you that have done workshops with me or I've talked a little bit about it on the show. But, but I'll be honest with you, because as, not only as a, as a radio host, but as a, a, a spiritual life coach, an actual therapist, a counselor therapist, um, and psychic channel, but especially my therapy, I have people, I had for the longest time a client that actually voted for Trump. She knew how I felt. So I can't really get in that. I mean, I could see, I can do the broader view. You know, do I like his behavior? No, no borderline narcissist. Do I like people that are, you know, dictators and autocrats and take advantage of people? No, no, no. But my game is in consciousness because we wouldn't be in this mess if we had if we were more healed in consciousness and it's the totality of our consciousness. So I leave the people that comment and do the other stuff. You know, I'll talk about it if people want to talk about it or have an email question or call in or whatever in the chat. It's not that I'm sticking my head in the sand. It's just that ultimately people act out from wounding from the from the smaller situation to the bully, to the autocrat, to the dictator, to the burglar, to the serial killer, to the way it all traced back to the same thing. So I'm a little practical. I like to, I like to go back to the healing modality. Um, that's, where I'm, that's where I'm playing at, and, and that's kind of what I'm cut from. But all the other things and all the ways of addressing the issues and the problems and, and bringing awareness are needed and necessary. This is why we say you got to know your lane, and your lane will be something that really fulfills you. I did do my marches in the day. I did do that. Yes, I did. Um, even when my parents would say sometimes, honey, mija, in Spanish, my daughter, you know, you're why are you doing this? Because I've always loved the underdog. Why are you, mar- this is not affecting you. 
even like in where I grew up, we had the, the you know, on the other side of the tracks, the bad neighborhood. Well, I march for, um, you know, they still do that. You know, they'll bus in from other schools. And I was on TV. And like, well, you know, nobody could understand why are you, I grew not totally privileged, but upper middle class. And so I didn't have those kinds of issues. But I feel for people and I empathize. But I also, Tammy said, you're in your wheelhouse, Michelle. Yeah, I think that that's because at the end of the day, I feel all of us have to know that everyone has their gifts and their areas. And to support people and, and honor their choices of how they're giving back, you know, to their own life path, their family, their friends, society, community, politically, governmentally, or in climate change. Or you can be all over the place trying to do something just to say you're doing something or look like you're doing something. And there are people that just take causes up, and that can be okay. But I feel like, you know, especially 20, this year and beyond, it, you know, as we're more and more in the new paradigm, and, uh, you know, probably more people are going to feel this the, the full moon, I believe it's on the 9th of this month in Leo. <clears throat> and then again, because we've got that Leo Aquarius access activated and the Taurus Scorpio, Uranus and Taurus. It's birthing these new ideas, these new ways of being that is more authentic to us. But in the wise words of one of my dear friends, you've heard me speak of him different, well, friend later on, yeah, did become a friend, but teachers, mentors and teacher. Uh, in transpersonal therapy and hypnotherapy, transpersonal psychology, Dr. Hahn said what, something to the effect of what makes you think people can't change or make their own choices. They, everyone has their own higher self. <clears throat> so sometimes, you know, it is people may wake up a little slower or, or heal a little differently, a different pace or pattern. But it is true. Whether people connect to their higher self or their soul or not, you know, that's a whole nother topic. But, you know, and another thing he shared with me is that, you know, you have to trust that there are other people that can do what needs to be done. In other words, other people may find their gifts, their true gifts, in helping in, in a certain way or being a service. So we don't have to do everything or be everywhere. And I think that is a big you know, some people just pray. It's the power of prayer or visioning or intention, and that's how they do it, or ritual. You know, so everybody's a little bit different of how they're helping, how they're showing up, and I think you have to, everybody has to honor that and support that. Um, and some of it is not fighting. It's not in the resistance. There are those that are formatted for that. Some are in the unification, and neither both are important. But as Tammy said in the chat, know your wheelhouse, you know, know, yeah. And you'll know it by the joy that you love what you're doing. You know, yet you, you would, you know, that old saying, you would do it if there wasn't even any money involved. So my lovies, okay, call in number 347-539-5122. I'm going to be getting to readings. We're going to dial, dive in. Want to let everybody know that I do have a workshop. I'll try, I'm going to try to mention it um, every day <laughs> or every week, rather, um, just because, just because um, that's the thing that people ask me to do, and I sometimes forget to do it. So, 
on intuition, following your intuition. It's a very powerful, it's the beginning. I will be doing later on, probably the spring, uh, a little bit of a series on this. So really understanding the higher self. Um, you can go to my website and hit uh, events and workshops. So we're going to dive in about how psychic are you? How do you want to be able to use your psychic abilities? You want to be able to use it more accurately. So it's using your intuition accurately, accurately, and becoming more psychic. So if you're interested in that, you can find it on Eventbrite or Soul Playground. Yes, soulplayground.life.com. Dot com dot life will get you there. All right, my lovies. Oh. So amazing. I think it just booted people out of the chat. Okay. And please connect with me on YouTube, Instagram. Let's keep this going. And let me know how you're doing, whether you guys email me or, you know, or leave a com- comments on the on YouTube. That seems to be that people, you know, seem to like those comments because it helps them feel like they're not the only one. Um, also on the Awakenings page, that's a good – the Facebook Messenger, not the pay, place, because I very rarely check it, and there's always weird, um, you know, stuff in there that you have to sort through, and I just don't want to look at it. So, anywho. Okay, I do have a little thing I want to touch upon from an email. Walter, everybody knows Walter, a lot of people do, he's a featured in our um, opening, you know, his voice. So I love it when people, you know, send an email questions, and this one is a goodie, okay? So Walter says, hey, Michelle, can you explain the differences between dimensions and realms? Came across a YouTube video with someone explaining it, however it lost, they lost me. You always have a way of breaking things down so I can understand them. Many thanks. Also, your pick a card for cancer was on point again. I received so many confirmations. I had to watch it multiple times. Love to Yoshi. Thank you. Thank you, Walter. Yeah, Yoshi. So that's a really good question. Some of you hear me talk about, if you've done my teleworkshops, that we're connecting in through the subtle energy, right? So all... And all dimensions or realms um, are separated out by vibration, okay? This is why, like, for me, sometimes when I'm doing a psychic reading, especially if I'm channeling, if I'm channeling, which is accessing above, from the eighth connecting to the higher self, but eighth dimension or eighth chakra and above, where we become the more, where we become more unified, where we are unified. Um, even though we are, how do I want to say this, where you're connecting more into group consciousness. So in order to expand, or like when I remote view, I have to expand out of my limited consciousness or awareness of only what's in front of me right here, right now, right? So there's a dissolving when we, when we go into different dimensions or different realms or different planes or different parts of what we call the inner plane that you can't you can see a little bit depending it's like looking at an aura when you're looking at an aura of someone or yourself 
you don't really use, you don't strain to see it. You actually relax your eyes so more of your psychic vision can come through. And it's the light around something or that emanates from something, right? Or when seeing orbs, not through camera, but say through the naked eye or fairies or other elementals. It's like, it's like walking down the street or let's say being in your garden and all of a sudden you notice a little bug or a little worm. Now, if you were, it, but you catch it out of the corner of your eye, right? Your, your, your awareness is more expanded at that moment. If you're fixated or focused only, let's say you're repotting a plant, you're going to miss it. Or if you're looking up, up high or down low in only one focal point. So we connect into other dimensions, um, realms, if you will, as we alter our vibrational frequency. And so when you're opening up or you become more psychic, more intuitive, you, you know, more empathetic, you would feel it, more psychic, you would feel it and see it, okay? And we are all interconnected to these realms at various vibrational frequencies. That's why I would say we're a complex of vibrational frequencies. We're not just one frequency or tone. It's like a song. We have different parts, right? So just basically to get into it, you have the earth plane or earth realm where it's denser physical manifestation. We call it in metaphysically and as spiritualists, we call it the gross realm or gross dimension. Gross meaning if you look it up from weight, it's a, it's a measurement. And then you have the subtle, the subtle realm, which is the subtle energy, right? So we might call it, you know, you could call it energy, you could call it vibration, um, you know, frequency. It's really parts of the same thing, right? So the more you extend or the more you expand um, in consciousness or awareness, the more you connect into the subtle energy. And you can see, those of you that have done my teleworkshops, you've even been able to feel, oh, someone's to the north of me or someone's you know, to the left of me. You can feel each other, right? You can, you can feel each other um, within the workshop even though you can't see them, right? So the growth, the growth is heavier or thicker or massive, right? It's able to be seen or touched or felt. There's a, there's a and it's not in a bad way because I, I did um, pretty much in the 90s. I haven't done it. Well, that's not true. I did do a, a shamanic, um, let's see, sacred pathway, uh, passage last year, I think April or May or something um, locally. And actually some Awakenings listeners came to that. But I used to do a lot of shamanic work, and I actually worked with Mayan elders, and I worked inter with interdimensional uh, beings that of Mayans that have crossed over, especially when some of these, you know my story of having uh, been a part of a very small group that went and viewed the crystal skull and did some energetic research, you know, tapping into this skull. Um, it was actually in Chicago. It was at a short period of time at this um, golden pyramid. I know it sounds fanciful. And I cannot remember the magazine that interviewed, invited me to interview. I think it might have been Sacred Sites or Sacred Ritual. Don't remember. I remember it was through a good friend of mine, Kathy Bruni, who knew the um, editor of the magazine. And they were looking for five, four to five intuitives 
there was actually ended up being five of us that were okayed to go. It was all very hush hush. I spy because people were trying to steal that skull. So I, you know, I had a lot of amazing situations through that. But the Mayan energy, the more indigenous energy, is very earth. It's very heavy. It's very dense. And of course, we think angelic is light, and that's better. No, it's just different vibrationally. The indigenous are working more with like plant medicine, more with the through the earth and specifically earth cycles, but but obviously are also from off of the earth, terraforma, um, and working with middle earth, right? So every part, everything that is alive, actually everything, everything planetarily has a vibrational frequency and has some form of consciousness. Even your car, everything is infused with consciousness. Now, the less mass or the less density, we call it lighter or more subtle. It's just a faster-moving energy, faster-moving particles of energy, right? And so it's like thought, right? You know, we can think of like the, the a tone, you know, is, is faster-moving than uh, saying a word. And, of course, a vibration or feeling is, is faster-moving than a picture or an image, right? So very often we feel something before we see something, right? Before we see the person that we know or they actually call us or text us or email, we can get a feeling about them and then we get a flash maybe of their picture or something and then in physical manifestation we see them, they text or they call. So you have the earth plane or earth realm that we seem to be separate, you know, separate bodies, but we're really just separated out into a denser mass. And then as you expand or you raise your vibrational frequency or expand in frequency, go, going more into the subtle energy. And what does that mean? That means I dissolve my boundaries as much as I can. I dissolve my separateness. You know, and I'm telling you, if you do some of my workshops, I, we do this. We actually do this and people can feel it. We, we dissolve. There's a way to just kind of blend or merge. It's like having a glass full of, I don't know, orange juice, right? And so it's contained in that form of a glass. So it's taking a certain shape and form. Then if I spill it out, if I tip the glass over, the orange juice spills out. So we do have the availability, and that's what I do when I channel or I merge. Or when I'm being a, a trance channel, I'm merging so much that I allow other energies or entities to come through me. They're already there. It's just I allow, I merge enough to let them come through, you know, to, to be more one with them. So as we're in more and more in the new paradigm, there will be less strictness of these boundaries, but we still know that we haven't, we're individuated. We have a uniqueness as a soul, but we will more feel our interconnectedness. And you can see this merging or with it's like androgyny or even you know the whole idea of gender neutral you know there's a, that's on a gross physical level the denser level but the idea in consciousness is there that hey morph into oneness that you can be more than one thing you can be an astrologer and a stockbroker that can blend together you see what I'm saying so there's a lot of this blending together. So we have the earth plane, and then we have the subtle energy that is around, or the etheric. The etheric energy of the etheric plane, etheric dimension, 
is the dimension that things happen, okay, before they become in the, uh, manifested in the denser physical realm, they hang there in the etheric. Now, if something has enough vibrational components to, together, much, much enough group agreement vibrationally and then within the mental constructs of the earth plane and what's happening, then it gets activated astrally, okay? So we have the astral plane, which corresponds to the emotional body. The etheric is the energy around the denser physical body before things come into manifestation. This is why so many of us are clearing the astral body. Because the astral is, and we have selves that are there, energetic selves that are there, you know, holographic images that are there, right? So this is why some people say, you know, when you meet and it's very boom, that, okay, it's an astral connection. A lot of our karmic relationships, our learning lesson is a better term, learning lesson relationships have its underpinnings astrally because the, the same wounding that we have astrally um, is what gets us connected to certain people. So the clearing emotional bodies, that's why I'm big on emotional healing and I did so much work in emotional healing and repatterning as well as other, you know, healers, light workers, et cetera, um, is because we don't change the pattern of the of the earth until we change it astrally. It cannot, it, it, you know, so when we're changing what we're doing here, you know, on the earth plane, it starts changing that astral blueprint and then affecting the etheric. And so certain things will become more and more extinct because they won't have the resonance, enough resonance astrally and then on the denser earth plane or physical plane. Um, so then you have the spirit plane or the Buddhist plane. That's the spiritual essence of us all. That's the part that lives on, right? And then the, the soul is the unique view, uh, blueprint and viewpoint that the all that is or God takes, okay? And what is that? There's a causal point. So metaphysically, we have the causal realm. That's where cause is. That's the area of oneness or infiniteness of the innate intelligence of the universes, okay? That causal point, in one degree, we're the effect of it. So whatever is happening at the causal point affects us, the effect point, which is the, the earth plane or denser plane. And then whatever is happening on the denser earth plane, when it gains enough traction, enough resonance and um, vibrationally, it affects the causal point. This is why it said God is learning, God is evolving, because it is us. It is the, the causal point of us. So that's a basic, but then we do have different we do have different dimensions and different realms. Now some of you that have taken my teleworkshops, I talk about the main chakras. There's actually thirteen main chakras. Well, the forty nine. Because everywhere where there's like ley lines is like a earth chakra, right? Everywhere where you have an intersection of energy, you will have a wheel of light, which is what chakra means. So we have them in our hands, we have them in our feet, we have them in our knees, we have them in our back. We have the seven ones that many people are aware of. Um, some people have become more aware of the 13 that actually corresponds to uh, the astrology chart. You can look at its very thing. Like there's 12 houses in an astrology chart. But when you take the 12 houses, there becomes a 13th, 
right? When you look at all 12 and you put it together, that creates the person, which would be the entity that is created by those 13 little houses of expression. So we have that metaphysically. We have the seven main chakras, but then you have the eighth chakra, which if you look at it as the infinity sign, if you put it on its side, it's the higher self and lower self. When you start connecting, so the seventh chakra, you're still kind of in the, I don't know, big realm in a way, not, not, you know, it's like, but when you start connecting to the eighth chakra, you're connecting more to your expanded consciousness through what we would call the higher self, right? And there's an awareness of this expanded consciousness, this expanded aspect of your being and a lower aspect. But you're still, we're still in duality. We're still in the polarity plane, right? Because like there's, a, there's a higher and a lower. And where I channel the ninth. So when you start getting into the ninth chakra, that's the ascension point. You start rising. It's an ending, the nine. You, that's a transition point. So when you're extending in the ninth realm or ninth dimension, this is where you start seeing what we call shadow people or shadow beings. You start feeling and seeing other dimensional beings because you're raising out of the idea of just the, the idea of denser physical form. And then as you're going into the 10th dimension, 10th chakra, 10th dimension, 10th realm, whatever, um, and there are different realms. I mean, realms are also, also different places that people are, are, are beings. They're not, you know, in denser physical form. But when you get to the 10th, this is when you start activating more of your soul group or your soul tribe, and you become more connected to group consciousness or group awareness, being group beings. This is the area, those of you that are aware of, like, um, Ashtar Command, which was a similar for that group beings when I was in uh, London, England, um, all of England, actually. Um, so then when you – so that that's beginning the group awareness. Of, and, okay, so that's like the 10th house. That's like your public, public, more of a group awareness you're of other people and being more connected publicly, right? And then you extend to the 11th realm or 11th dimension. You can correspond that to the 11th house. That is your soul tribe, your group, your specific group. So the 10th, you could look at it as society, but it's, but it's not in dense. It's, in, it's through the subtle energy. Okay, and it's it's connecting into the idea and the, the aspect of you that is always interconnected to everything and everyone. So it is starting the awareness of the group consciousness or group awareness, that you are part of a group of beings that have no separation, but separate out on the denser physical form, right? And then the 11th is where... You're expanding into 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 that, but you're getting more attuned to subtle energy, right? You're becoming even less aware of it's more where you're more wave. Get a bit of that in the tenth also, but you're getting into like particles and the waves and the tone and the frequency of you as an essence. And then the twelfth, which I've only visited consciously, you can only visit the twelfth very. Um, fleetingly because when you expand into the 12th dimension what happens is that's the synthesis so everything comes together so in other words for me to observe something or observe the experience that I'm having right 
that, this is why mindfulness is great, but it's not the place to just stay stuck or stopped because when I'm mindful of something, I'm still in that observer. There's, there's me and what I'm observing. So it's a starting point. When you get to the 12th dimension, there's no more observation. You are completely in that oneness. You are samadhi. This is like in meditation when you've been meditating and you lose track of time. You don't even remember what was what was said or were you breathing or what you, people say, oh, my God, I blanked out or I checked out or what happened. So you can only visit that or have a conscious awareness or earthy or human awareness of that from a very just fleeting because once you – when you're having the awareness, you're, you're, in du- you're in duality. And so when you're out or in or however you want to look at it, or you could be sleeping or whatever, or in the, you know, you just, you're all everything. You're all that. And then what happens when we do that completely, like in meditation it's called samadhi. When we do it completely, it's called samadhi, where we go completely in the oneness, we drop our body, and we're back in it. And so... The 13th dimension or 13th chakra is the new energy or new entity, that 13th dimension. Kind of like you could say the 13th planet is a whole new species. Now, what's interesting is when we change greatly, we go through the same process as well. So, yes, there are many different dimensions and realms. Those are the main ones that we use for structure, metaphysically, esoterically, um, but there are different dimensions that we go to or that we are living out that can correspond to our life here on earth and what we're experiencing, our learning lessons, our gifts, our joys. Like I work with clients, um, what I'm thinking of in particular, where she's very gifted in a certain area but finding these other gifts. Well, it turns out it's from a past life where she has this particular knowledge and now is bringing it forward. But she's able now to go back into that, that lifetime and understand what she's doing now from that lifetime and bring the gifts even further um, forward. So we are, you know, that spiral of life, right? It, you can see it. Uh, the Fibonacci sequence, you can see it, the flower of life. This dimension, this form that we have, playing this out emotionally, because as you extend and expand, there's less and less energy in motion. Okay, there's there's less uh, because we don't think about. It. I mean, a lot of the energy in motion or emotions have to do with feeling separate or having something, attaining something, wanting something, getting something, losing something, someone. There's this attainment, but as we've are in our group consciousness, there is nothing to attain. It is all there. We're all there. We're all we're in this total experience. So I hope this helps. This is like a basic or beginning um, dive into this. If you want me to talk about it more and go into other levels of it, I will. But I think this gives a good. Um... Thank you, Sammy. Very helpful. Good. Thank you. Yeah, I think that this gives a good understanding and this is why it said we are more than what we seem to be and this is why we have things like deja vu or a future self or we get messages or we have flashes of insight or we remember other things or other times or we visit someplace where we feel we've been before you know and sometimes it's intergalactic it's planet it's, it's on another planet 
Everything is alive, even if it doesn't fit into the examples or the laws that we have on this earth plane doesn't mean another form. See, what we don't see, we don't see it. Like people say, oh, there's not earth on Mars or there's not life on Mars. Well, it's vibrational. Like when I had the visitations that I had um, with extraterrestrials, other beings from other planets, and I've had a few of them. I had someone I was a child, and then I had some, a couple, uh, one in my 20s and a couple in my 30s, mid-30s or early 30s, I guess, early 30s. Um, they were through light, light beings. One did have a, some kind of spaceship or something because there was this whirring sound at the side of my house where I grew up and I got beamed up. Oh, uh, yeah, got beamed up, and then later found myself in my bed. Yeah, that was pretty much a trip. It was kind of blue light, indigo blue light, or cobalt blue light. Um, and then the other experiences were more um, light beams. So just because we have cars here and we have airplanes doesn't mean that, you know, interdimensional, intergalactic, especially interdimensional beings or other dimensional beings or even galactic beings or extraterrestrial, meaning not from this earth, star beings, may not be showing up with a smoggy, you know, airplane, you know, or rocket or spaceship. Maybe some do or some manifest that so to connect in. But again, they can be working more holographically, can be working more with the light energy of them. They're working more through the subtle energy. So again, you're going to see them vibrationally. As you shift in vibration, you open yourself up more to see these beings or have these experiences because you, you raise or extend into their vibrational frequency, which is more subtle and less of a dense frequency. All righty, let us get to readings and let's go with the first caller. If all of you, if you have a question or a comment, please press one on your keypad. The number is 347-539-5122, and press 1 on your keypad. Walter, thank you for that great question. Hello. Welcome to Awakenings. You're on air. Hi, Michelle. My name is Brittany. Hey, Brittany. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I had a quick question for you about um, some energies or vibrations towards my living situation. Mm, okay. And what do you want to know about it? What's vibrationally? Um, well, so myself and my boyfriend almost a year ago, actually, um, we were hacked and had a very traumatic, life-threatening experience, and we kind of lost everything, uh, um, our place, all okay. our money, everything. So um, we've, that's all right. We've been trying to kind of get ourselves back on track, and I just kind of want to see if it's in the sometime okay, near future more than. Okay. Let's just, I'm so sorry you went through that. Oh, it was very eye-opening, if you will, though. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just lost a bunch of stuff that was in stores that I had at somebody's uh, storage. They moved it without telling me, and they didn't pay. I guess for two months, and so a lot of my stuff was just taken. I didn't even. I I found out about oh, it when I was going on air. Yeah. So talk about Shakaru. Okay. So, um, all right, slow building, but it does look like stuff is coming back up. And even financially, so I feel like you could have been hit 
financially or something happened financially? Uh, yeah, we that lost all our on- savings trying to get all new things and, and kind of had to restart oh. our lives over. Okay. So it does show that that's taking place. Now, what's interesting, because I mentioned indigo and then I said cobalt, I think it was for you. Okay, it's weird because that blue, that blue is my blue. <laughs> oh, get something cobalt or put it out. That, that is a strong protector for you, but also magnetizes stuff. That I feel and obsidian. Obsidian, um, I had an obsidian egg gifted to me from my shamanic teacher, Dona Chewy Hitsu, but absorbs um, and trans, that doesn't just absorb negative vibrations or lower level or not, you know. It uh, transmutes them. But that cobalt blue for you, I don't know where, get something, a stone or something, and put it prominently. I feel like you are, um, now this is really interesting, Sydney. I feel like you are, both you and your boyfriend are reclaiming something. Oh, wow, I'm just getting this download. My whole head is, like, vibrating. Oh, my God. My whole body is vibrating right now, actually. (laughs) Right? No, you're reclaiming something from Atlantean times. I see you guys in the white robes and with a breastplate, and you have the, the cobalt, some kind of cobalt stone. It's cut glass or stone in the center. There's cobalt. Um, so you're healers. Did this put you more on a path or something? Did yeah, so I already... So personally, I already knew I was an empath and really sensitive to everything. I knew he was, yeah. though he didn't really notice it. And then, like I said, we were kind of like um, very like, running for our lives and stuff. And it was almost like the universe kind of stepped in to help us out. And it really started to show us yeah. in signs and, and everything to help us out yeah. to kind of save our lives, I feel like. Yeah, to save your life and to move into your... your um Angie is saying also lapis. That could help, but I feel it's a cobalt. It's a it's a, it's a bright blue. I feel around you. But you are maybe okay. lapis. I don't know. Singing, teaching, toning, try all that because I feel like there's something that you're both meant to do on a healing level, and it may have music somehow involved. Um, but okay. I feel like this horrible stuff that happened. It's it's kind of got you back on track or your path maybe together. Saved your yeah. life and got you back on the on the spiritual path, or the path of your spirit, is what I'm hearing. The path of your yeah, that's exactly kind of how of it feels soul. like. So. Okay, all right. Well, it's getting better. Keep us posted, Brittany. Okay. Uh, all right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. How powerful. Okay. Hi. Welcome to Awakenings with Michelle Mache. You're on air. Hello? You're on air, 917, you're on air. Hello, hello. I think they walked away. I can hear footsteps in the back. Probably what's going to happen. They walked away to do something, and now, hello, hello, you're on air. Okay. Well, I'll have to get back to them. Let's see, Tammy's putting in the chat, cobalt blue reminds me of throat chakra too. Yes, Angie. Yeah. Looks like this is moving them into the right timeline. Oh, very good point. 
You know, and there's a lot of that happening right now. Um, and I also call it timeline jumping, where one is just cut off. Um, I even feel like that in a sense with the stuff that I had, um, although I would have rather not have lost it. I thought I'd already did my timeline jump for this, you know, last year. But, yeah, I feel like getting on the right timeline for those that you're meant to meet. And there's, like, fast karmic completion, you know. It's culmination of things and then a completion. Almost reminds me of, like, when you go to a restaurant, you know, and you're, you're eating. And then it's, like, you probably want to eat all of the stuff. And then all of a sudden you're just done. You're, like, okay, let's go. And it's, like, oh, you haven't finished. No, 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 I'm done. That's it. I don't want any more. That's it. I feel like that's where many of us are right now. Oh, that's done. That's it. Don't want any more of that. Let me just move on. You know, no, I don't have to bring it. You know, that's okay. I'm not going to put it in a little, uh, what do they call it? a little doggy bag, a little take-home bag. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tammy in the chat. Yes, fast completions. Yes. And culminations where there's just this wrapping up, you know, like, Picking A up and B up and C and D and wrapping it all up, wrapping it all up, and it's done, and then you're in a new framework. And many people, if you will, are not only wrapping things up, but the culmination, going back to what they did before, parts of themselves, right, and and bringing that forward. So... Yeah, so that's a big thing. And, you know, some people are saying, like, you know, I've had people ask me, well, I feel like I'm going back to what I once did, but somehow it's different, or I'm doing it differently, or I'm different. And that's the recognition, because I feel like if you're, you're able to do whatever it is you're coming back to and bringing it forward in a more, not just authentic, but genuine way, genuine to you way of, of being and expressing and had you perhaps not gone through everything that you had gone through you wouldn't got wouldn't have gotten to the point where you could you could feel not only well some of it's a safety but also just safe more safety to be you but it's also getting to the point where you feel more like you Right, you feel more genuine. You feel more um, somehow aligned to your soul. You feel less separation from that part of you. Okay, one more caller, and then I think we have a guest calling in. Hello, uh, you're on air on Awakenings with Michelle Mache. Welcome. Okay, well, I will just say it's. If you send me the email that I didn't pick up and you waited for a long time, I did. I tried. So I know sometimes people are at work and they move on, you know, move away. So um, let's see. Dee Dee in the chat says this is happening with me and my painting coming back to it. Newly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's coming back to something perhaps that we did in a certain way, coming back to it in a new way, refreshed. You could say, to some degree, yes, it is due to our um, life experience or wisdom, but some of it is also just a timing that we're bringing something else through. All right, so we are going to get to our awakening guest today. If you were not able to get your question answered or get a reading, you can try uh, next Wednesday between 12 and about 12.45, 12.50, 
depending how many callers we have, um, you can call back in. If it's a more general question, you can always email me at awakeningspodcast at gmail.com. And in fact, for uh, topic suggestions, guest suggestions, you can always email me there or send in your email question to awakeningspodcast at gmail.com. All right, we have with us today um, Tara Bianca, uh, which is, she considers herself a love activist, author, spiritual mentor, mystic, evolutionary leader, and transformation. Tara combines over 20 years of research, teaching, speaking, and private coaching with expertise in healing the mind, body, and soul to help people to elevate their consciousness and revolutionize their life for success. Now, Tara uses a multidisciplinary approach, which reveals the tantra of life and illuminates a path to love. She inspires people to be a source of inspiration for others in the world and to awaken their divine heart to embody the presence as well as unconditional love. We're going to be diving into her book, The Flower of Heaven, Opening the Divine Heart Through Conscious Friendship and Love Activism. Welcome to the program, Tara. Thank you very much. So happy to be here today. Oh, so happy to be with you. And is it Tara or Tara? It's Tara. Tara. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yay. So um, let us, I want to know a bit about how you got on your path. I'd love to know your first awakening to this part of you, this aspect of you, and then how did that unfold to where you are now and what you're focused on now? Mm-hmm. Well, my first awakening happened, I would say, when I was eight and a half years old. And probably even, even earlier when I was six and a half, when I started to actually question existence and um, started to become very curious about what this is that we are all born into, um, who I am, how this all got created, who the divine is, and, um, and all the questions that I wanted answered based on what people were telling me. And, um, and I just wasn't satisfied with with the, the limited answers that I was getting. And so I became incredibly curious with the divine. And I thought, if, if God exists, then I'm going to go and I'm going to get the answers directly from God. And I just assumed that that could, could be a possibility. And, and so I approached the divine in that way. And I was uh, not surprised completely, but slightly surprised mm. when the divine started to teach me directly. Yeah. All we need to do is ask, right? Right. Oh, now, the question, mm-hmm. the answer that you were getting, and you just, you just have a sense, okay, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't right. You know, this isn't, I don't feel this. Did you have another memory, mm-hmm. perhaps, of what, it, what, what was going on, or you just knew this wasn't it? Well, I feel like almost the questions I had were divinely inspired themselves. Uh, it could have been from, from a past life or a knowing of some sort, but I remember uh, an uncle of mine, uh, when I visited him one time, he said, when you were born, you never cried. You were happy all the time, mm-hmm. and I had to pinch you one day just to make you cry to see if you'd cry. And uh, mm-hmm. I was, he said there was like this con- constant peace with you. 
now I ended up going into into suffering in my life pretty soon after that. I had a lot of experiences that, that created a lot of suffering. And I was in a family, mm-hmm. um, my mother and uh, my stepfather at the time were very emotionally disconnected and, and they, you know, never expressed love and um, in a physical way or an emotional way. They certainly were providers and they did things for, for us, but they, they were so emotionally disconnected from love themselves that I remember when mm. I was uh, six, about six years old, I remember hugging this dog and feeling so mm. much love. And I, ha- I had never felt that before. And I, I was so frightened by it. And at the same time, I didn't want to let go of that dog. I wanted to hold on to that dog forever. And so there was like an emotional disconnect within myself as well, even though there were these big, profound questions. And somehow it was uh, all of these things were affecting me and prompting me to, to know that, that something more was out there that wasn't being revealed. It was almost like, you know, people were in a fog or um, something else. And, and it's interesting because in the work I do, I, when I take people into really profound states of healing, they know as children that something else is supposed to be. And yeah, when, they come, when wow. they come up against, you know, parents or teachers or a society that is so disconnected, so lost in the illusion, then these children get confused and instead of them going, oh, there's something wrong with this system, there's something wrong, these people are lost, they think it's themselves and then they blame themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I did. I started to blame myself and I actually started to believe as a, a six-year-old child that I was evil. And so mm-hmm. I went into this crazy contrast of both surrendering to the divine, not feeling like I was good enough for God, not feeling like I was good enough for life, and then at the same time going, I absolutely want to know how to get myself out of this mess. I want to know what's going on, what we're doing here. Mm. And, and, you know, I'm t- I don't want to be in this clouded not knowing. And so the divine started to lift that cloud and started to um, reveal incredible divine wisdom to me. Oh, gosh, Tara, that's beautiful. That's I think many of us have gotten in the lightning out of here, you know, or, hey, forgot that it was going to be like this. So let me, you know, bring me mm-hmm, some relief, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Bring me some relief. Oh, gosh. So then what was your next step? Obviously, you're growing up, you know, would you consider your childhood pretty regular or what you, what you focused on? Or did you always have this kind of other aspect of your being as you were growing up? I had a deep connection with the divine. That was a kind of a thread mm-hmm. that's been through my life. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, I kind of had a kind of a regular life in that, you know, I'm not the only one who had parents who were emotionally disconnected. You know, our my parents of, of uh, my generation uh, they had parents who were coming out of World War II and they were incredibly disconnected. And so there's been a lot of intergenerational suffering, you know, across the board for, for most of our, our ancestors. And so it was, it was kind of like a, I grew up in the 80s and the, and, uh, the 70s and 80s. And so there was, you know, there was a societal um, generalized 
you know, pattern for our parents of how they should be and what yeah. they should do. And like, and so, you know, I was, I was certainly part of that system, but at the same time, there was this deep uh, abiding connection with the divine. And when I was eight and a half years old, the divine came to me, the, like came to me in a very powerful dream and said one line to me that just revolutionized my mm. consciousness. And in that dream, I was playing a game of hide and seek with the divine. Although at first I didn't know it was with mm. the divine, even though there was no one, no one in the room with me. And I was searching and I was searching yeah. in all the, in all the dark places. And the divine finally, after about three or four places, the divine said to me, you won't find me in the darkness. Mm. And so I was, I was, I woke up from that dream immediately and I, I realized the divine was giving me some guidance in where mm-hmm. for me to look. And the divine was inviting me to look for the divine. And so I started this mm. beautiful game of hide and seek. And I was determined mm. to find the divine. And the divine was like basically saying, you can find me, but just not in these places. And so mm-hmm. that dream stayed with me and, and really informed me. And every few years or every decade, the divine would reveal the greater truth about that dream and would reveal to me uh, more and more until this past, I would say the past three years um, up until that point, there was quite a lot of kind of going, going into states of enlightenment, fading out, going into states of enlightenment, fading out. And then about three years ago, I started to go into a, a permanent persistent non-symbolic experience of joy and peace and connection with the divine. And um, Mm -hmm. at that point, the divine revealed to me the greater meaning of that dream and my consciousness Mm -hmm. expanded once again. And, and I suspect it will keep happening. Like, I don't think it's like I'm done or anything like that, but um, like layers and levels, layers and levels. And it's right now is probably, I would say 2019 was the most profound year of, my life the most amazing and um and the most blessed year of my life Mm. and so I continued on and I I, from this dream it kept informing me and then as I moved into my teens my third eye opened and I became a very powerful emotional empath and I didn't understand Mm. it and because it went to it it's what I I wouldn't say it's maximum but it's a maximum from a place of of uh that was paired with ignorance within me. Like I didn't know mm-hmm. what I was doing with this, these skills. In fact, I thought they were fairly detrimental because I could see dark entities. Um, I could see, uh, I, I touched into the suffering of every individual I encountered as well as individuals in the world. And I nearly was destroyed by it because I didn't know how to turn it down mm-hmm. or shut it off or it down, whatever yeah, else. It's so, just open. Did you wonder what was going opened. on when that happened? It just op- yeah, when you I had actually, that kind of opening. Did I actually wa- thought that, or did you know? Yeah. Well, I actually thought that I was crazy. <laughs> I mm. I hid it from everyone. I I ne- didn't even tell a friend. I thought if somebody knows that I can see entities that I that I am aware of their dark secrets, people will lock me up or they they will medicate me. Yeah. Because you have to understand, this is back in the late 80s, early 90s, and there were no TV shows. Oh, no, no I books. get it. There, there was nothing. Yeah. 
And, and so I actually thought that maybe I was a little crazy. And so, mm-hmm. I, you know, I didn't know what was going on. And I had severe PTSD from all of this as well. And I, 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 could, I could barely sleep at night because um, these, uh, my third eye was, was open the most at night when I was like in a relaxed state. And so I would avoid going to bed. I would avoid sleeping, and which is not a, a good thing for anyone, let alone a teenage mind. Yeah, that's, that's so true. But it is so quite. Would, oh gosh, it's so few and far between. No, you, yeah, maybe a, the library, mm-hmm. or you know, if you ran, you know, you really had to search to find it. Right now, show programs like this, the internet. You know, there's so much available that people are so reassured, but yeah, it was, you know, if you were on the front runners of this, probably good thing you didn't say anything. Yes, absolutely. Because you're right. It's uh, because I I know some people that did. And then years later, actually the parents that actually put them, you know, in a home said, Oh, now they had their waking. They're like, Oh, so sorry. We we see what was really happening now. You were just very gifted, you know, just, Because now everybody's going towards this. Let me ask Mm -hmm. you, though, so what brought you, it's interesting because you talk about, and I agree with you generationally, so parents, not emotionally, they're they're emotionally disconnected, not much, you know, the heart chakra uh, activated or open. And now you're you're doing this. So Mm -hmm. how did this transpire? Because now you're doing this, you know, opening to the divine heart, connecting through love activism. I'd, I'd love for you to share how you came about this and and actually what is it? Correct. Yeah. So I was, um, had tons of awakenings from the time that I was, when I finally got into a place of, of um, understanding that this was a gift and not a curse, um, through mm. one man's mentorship who, who was like, he basically was the first spiritual teacher I ever met. And he was, he, I only met him once. I've never seen him again since, but he came into my life at the most perfect time. And he said, when I told him what was happening, he was the first person that I ever told other than, than uh, uh, my husband at the time. Cause this, this went on in confusion went on into my early twenties. And he said to me, my dear, you ha- are having a spiritual awakening and these are spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. And when he said that to me, I went, oh, and then it was a very different experience that I started to have. Mm-hmm. And very soon afterwards, I would say approximately two years afterwards, I went into unity consciousness and mm-hmm. I had a very powerful awakening and that awakening basically catapulted me into profound uh, states of consciousness of uh, both unconditional love as well as divine wisdom and everything else. So now, even though I had this beautiful gifts of divine wisdom coming in my uh, childhood and teens, now I was, had all these, these gifts that had opened up and I had a better understanding that actually I was in a type of training. And so mm-hmm. with the wisdom coming in at the same time as having these gifts, I started to open and I received some mentorship from a beautiful spiritual master, uh, even about 10 years after that, and he guided me on how to really surrender to the divine or begin surrendering to the divine. And then I, last February, after many decades of this type of training, I had, had been blessed 
quite a lot up until that point. Uh, in fact, I went into God consciousness even six months before. But last February, I sat down to meditate. And I, it had been a very long time since I had asked God to teach me. It would, had been since I was six and a half years old. And I didn't realize that even though I, I've been surrendering to the divine a lot, I never really asked God to teach me about something specific until last mm. year. And so I said to the divine, mentor me, please mentor me on surrendering to you even deeper. Oof, and that's a nice one. When I, yeah. Right. And so the divine was fascinating. I had asked the the light of of the highest God to come into my heart center, of the Holy Mother to come into my heart center, of Christ consciousness to come into my heart center. And the divine said to me, would you like the flower of heaven as well? And I was like, a big question mark went off in my my consciousness. And I was like, flower of heaven? What is that? I've never heard of that before. And I said, well, if it's from heaven, I'll take it. If you're offering this to me, I'll take it. And so this beautiful flower of heaven seed dropped into my heart center. And then the divine started to mentor me in surrender. At the same time, this flower was blossoming in my heart. And I was mentored Mm -hmm. for eight hours. And in that mentorship, the divine taught me how to surrender to the divine by first the divine surrendering to me. And the power mm, about that. And the, yeah, the power of it, the beauty of it was so incredible. Um, it brought me to tears because what we don't realize, and one of the greatest teachings of this one experience that I had with the flower of heaven is that the divine is surrendered in service to us at all times. And whether we know it or not, the divine is constantly serving us and blessing us in ways that are known and unknown. And when the divine surrendered to me, it's hard to describe with the level of the mind what that felt like or what that looked like. But the best way I can describe it is though the divine came into every cell, vibrated all energy, knelt before me in every way imaginable, but at the same time dove inside of me and, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, and hugged me at the same time. Like I, I, I don't even have, I, I could probably talk forever about all the ways the divine surrendered to me in this moment. I think in we can moments. feel it. And Ara, I think we can yeah, feel it. It was beautiful. Yeah. And essentially what it was, was, was the divine was showing me was, letting me experience the love that the divine has for me. And it brought me into beautiful tears. And then when I was nourished in it, then the divine said to me, now I'm going to teach you how to surrender to others. And the Mm -hmm. divine began to show me people that I knew in life were suffering and brought them into my conscious awareness. And I asked, I said, how can I help these people? And the divine said, love them and actively Mm. love them. Show them you love them by your actions. And then the Mm. divine took me through a whole process of showing me that every aspect of ourselves is absolutely loved. And so the divine started to show me people and zoomed into aspects of people like the wrinkles on their face, 
um, the way their hair falls, the way that they sing, the way they walk, the way they talk. And the, the divine was showing me how each one of these things about us, the divine adores. And I, the love was so intense. I don't even think the divine really let me feel all of it. And I don't think I possibly could. It was like I was touching the hem of God's love for us. And the mm-hmm. divine really illuminated to me just how adored each and every one of us is equally. And the divine taught me that by serving my brothers and sisters around the world, that I'm serving the divine and that by serving my brothers and sisters around the world, I am, uh, I am I'm serving love. And by serving my brothers and sisters around the world, that I am teaching them about love. And showing them that love actually exists. And so I'm mentoring them in love. And for a lot of people that are suffering in the world, they're, the greatest suffering they're experiencing, no matter whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, always comes down to, at the end of the day, the greatest suffering they're experiencing, even if it's a physical suffering, is that they feel disconnected from love. Mm, And our greatest gift that we can give each other is, our greatest gift that we can give each other is to demonstrate that they are loved. Mm, Beautiful. So what would you consider this, so your book, The Flower of Heaven, Opening the Divine Heart, Your Conscious Friendship and Love Activism. I'm very curious about, and it's conscious friendship, so that's interesting, conscious friendship and love activism. You can touch on that for us, please. Mm -hmm. So conscious friendship, a lot of people will be like, well, I know how to be a friend, or, you know, I have friends, and and I'm a pretty, pretty good friend, and that sort of thing, and Conscious friendship is really about going to a level of, of, of understanding that, one, none of us are perfect and, um, and that our friends even are going to make mistakes with us. And to really mm-hmm. to be able to have a level of longevity with our friends where we can be unconditionally accepting and unconditionally loving, where they can even say something mean to us or do something that hurts themselves and we can be an unconditional observer and an unconditional witness and an unconditional friend in letting them make mistakes. And part of this mm-hmm. is it's not about letting people abuse you or, or mistreat you in any way. In fact, being a conscious friend often means having very challenging conversations in an honest way that are clear and loving so that you can reconcile things to be able to have an even more deeper, intimate, loving relationship you know, that where, where there's an incredible bond between you and the other person. And to get to this place, it really comes from a place of understanding. And one of the beautiful gifts that the divine has gifted me with is the gift of unconditional love, which is not a feeling state. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think, well, I don't feel love toward this person. or I don't feel love. Even so, some people say, I don't feel love anymore for my husband or my wife. And mm-hmm you know, or my partner or whatever. And I say to them, that's absolutely fine. You it really, you don't have to have a feeling state to be in a love state. Um, a feeling state is a beautiful, you know, benefit of some love states. 
But true love, mm-hmm. true unconditional love, is 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 a uh, is a state of consciousness. It's a state of awareness and a state of yeah. wisdom of of that person being the, a beautiful creation of the divine, and that although people make choices that can create suffering in the world, whether it's from a world leader to a CEO to a parent or a person that runs the local store in your neighborhood, no matter if anyone makes mistakes in the world, if any mistakes that people make are always coming from a place of deep suffering within them and a deep disconnection, first and foremost from the divine and from love, um, but most importantly from themselves. And from that place, they make choices that create more suffering for themselves. And to be able to have compassion when people make mistakes and to hold them in the field of, of them being temporary in making their mistakes is really important. And one of the best mentors for unconditional love is the divine because the divine could judge mm-hmm. us at any time and find us at fault for the terrible things we've done collectively and individually. And we are given more time, which is a relatively uh, real statement to make, but um, for the, for the level of the mind to understand, we're given time to mm-hmm. make right the mistakes we've made. And so through the process of karma, we're actually given these other opportunities to make different choices that are healthy for us and healthy for our brothers and sisters around the world. And so the divine gives us a chance to make things right and gives us a chance to return to love in any given moment of existence. And so to take that kind of mentorship and allow that for our neighbors, our friends, our family, our acquaintances, even people that we recognize are, are harming, harming people in the world, but still at the same time to actually actively mentor them in right action too, which is, you know, as a person, as a community, it's really important to stand up for human rights. It's really important to feed people who are hungry. It's really important to ensure that children are in safe environments and to ensure that we're, we're taking care of the environment in a way where uh, it's healthy, not only for us, but also for the animals and wildlife that, that rely on, on nature to be healthy. So they can actually uh, be healthy too and, and, and have a life that is free of suffering. And mm-hmm. so there's this beautiful mentorship. And, that, and that's really when you become co- a conscious friend, you start to, to come into a place of peace within yourself, too, because you drop your expectation that somebody should be a different way. And you accept that yeah. on a journey just like you are. Yeah, the expectation mm-hmm. in that ju- over judgment of judge, judging the person rather than the behavior seems to be very detrimental, right? Whether we're doing it to ourselves or to someone else or shame, you know, the idea of shame. You know, what are some of the steps that people can move more towards their own, you know, compassion and love activism, let's say starting with themselves? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the first ways, and this is not just for for women, but also for men, but women tend to be the ones that, that don't do this so much. Self-care is an act of love Mm -hmm. toward yourself. And it is one of the things Mm -hmm. that you have the the most control over. And when you start to care for yourself by making sure you're getting enough sleep, you're eating nutrient-dense foods, you're going for walks, you're spending time in nature, 
you're spending time doing fun activities, um, you're, you're pursuing the activities you most love to do and that are most nourishing for you, that is the, one of the best ways you can begin to be a love activist. And then if you, when you move like, into love act, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, just because it sounds like in a way it, it's, again, with so many things that it's starting with us, this, this love or unconditional love is starting with us. Absolutely. It's so important to get into that place. Yeah. And then also when we have a situation where if we find ourselves judging someone, the moment we judge the other person or have an expectation of the other person, we're telling our mind that we have a rule of expectation and judgment. And so then our mind applies it to ourselves and the mind then starts to make us wrong when we make mistakes. That's interesting. Ah, wow. Explain that a little bit here, Tara. That's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So what happens is this. We have this, the mind has a, a very specific set of rules, and each of us has a fairly similar set of rules, and then we have our own individual rules based on our experiences and our traumas. And those rules are types of programs that run how we respond to things and everything else. And if you have an example, like, for example, let's say some children are hanging out together in a classroom and there is a a little boy who's overweight and a group of kids decide to make fun of that little boy and other kids sit around and listen and they don't do anything to intervene or, or stand up for that little boy. The moment that any of those other children who are allowing this type of behavior or who are participating in that type of behavior, the moment that they gain weight, they will feel deep intrinsic shame because they allowed for the belief that there's something wrong with that little boy who was overweight. The moment they gain weight, Mm -hmm. they will think that they are intrinsically wrong because they have told their mind what is acceptable and what is Ah. unacceptable. And so, and we do these in, in micro ways through the things we learn. And one of the, the really the harshest programs of these, what I would call social rule-based memes is the media and cartoons. And my son doesn't watch a lot. Yeah. I have a child and he doesn't watch a lot of TV, but uh, he certainly watches a lot more, I think, when he's over at his father's place. And I was dropping him off. He's only six and a half years old, and I was dropping him off at school a couple of weeks ago, and he started to pull away from me when I went to kiss him on the cheek. And oh. I tried it a couple, couple more times and another day, and, and he pulled away, and I spoke to him about it, and I said, what's happening? And he's like, I feel embarrassed. And I said, why? And he goes, I oh. don't know. Like he was, he, we we mm. tried to figure it out, and he truly had no idea why he was, was like automatically responding this way. And I suspect what it is, is that he saw in a cartoon or a kid's TV show, kids making fun of some other kid for having that kind of connection with their parents. And I said to him, look over there, that parent's kissing that child. Is that okay? And he's like, absolutely. And I said, what does that mean? And he goes, that, that, that mommy loves that child. And so he knows that mm-hmm. on some level, but some, some program, somebody showed him that that, that kind of mm-hmm. connection isn't right somehow. And it's really affected him on such a level that he doesn't even know 
how that got in. He doesn't remember when it got in. And so it takes a lot to get over that level of kind of shame. And shame is one of the most insidious types of programs that exist in existence because we want to belong. We don't want to be on the outside. We don't want to be rejected by others. And so we do everything we can not to be in a position of shame where somebody might reject us permanently. And so we, we do, as children, we, we become these, these uh, beings of, uh, I'm just going to do what everybody else does, or I want to be the same as everyone else. You know, until people get into university and then all of a sudden they're like, they try to exercise their, their uniqueness and their difference. As children, they just want to be like other children. They want to be accepted and, and it's terrifying for them to think of, of something else. But it's the same mm-hmm. with anything else, whether it's uh, gaining weight or um, being a, gr- a girl rather than a boy, or whether it's um, uh, being a person of color or uh, anything else, when society starts to pass these types of programs on to children and then children pass them on to each other, we have these deep embedded programs that run. And so one of the, the most important things you can do as an adult is to start to just get rid of all the programs and to get all, rid of all the programs to have one overriding program that basically says, I choose to free the world from my influence and expectation. And anytime you judge another person, anytime you have an expectation of, that someone should do something you want them to do, if you can say the statement, I choose to free them from my, my influence and expectation, then your mind will allow for you to be free of other people's judgment and expectation. And then you can start to be free of the judgments and expectations of your own mind. And that's when you start mm. to really come into your power. That's pretty powerful, yes. It's so true because those judgments, because a lot of times what we're experiencing isn't what we thought we were going to experience or how we were going to experience it. You know, the, the ego mm-hmm. has a preconceived idea. And sometimes, like in your story with your son, it's based not even on our path or our soul, but what we see. We see somebody else experiencing. Um, so that's right. pretty, yeah, that's pretty powerful. That's, um, so touch on this, and you have been, but I want to dive in a little more to this love activism. Because we talk about the conscious friendship. And it's interesting because that's telling me, like, it's a movement, this whole idea of this love activism. Mm-hmm. And so part of this, I think, this experience that the divine blessed me with, uh, it's fascinating. At the end of the, of the eight hours of this uh, flower of heaven blossoming in my heart center, the divine showed me the cover of the book and what it was to look mm-hmm. like. And I said, oh, okay. And, um, and so I knew I was supposed to write. And in fact, after that eight hours, I sat down and I wrote for six hours straight. And then the next night I did the same thing. And, what really what this is is uh, it's, it's actually a stepping stone for a greater mission that the divine has me um, on. And there's an, another book that's actually going to be coming out. I just released this one, but there's a, another one that was a, a divine transmission that I transcribed that is uh, is about this love activism. And so this is kind of an introduction to what the divine is is inviting us into. 
which is this type of conscious, conscious friendship through love activism to connect us deeper with our own divinity. And so this love activism is, is really a call to action. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a basically a making yourself familiar with the active form of love. And it's really mm. challenging in this world because we're, there's so much going on and we're so in touch with what's happening elsewhere in the world and what's happening, you know, in the States, there's like so many, there's such a huge population. There's so many people suffering. There's so many causes. There's so many, this, sometimes it can be overwhelming for people and they can just go, okay, well, you know, the best thing I can do is pray for people or the best thing I can do is, um, you know, not get involved in, in a fight or whatever else. And some people just, they like, I think I just feel safer staying at home watching Netflix or um, I feel safer staying at home in my own space and not really going out or whatever else. Yeah. And love activism is really about uh, learning to find ways in your personal life to get active in a loving way towards yourself, get active in a loving way towards your family and find ways that are fun for you, that are loving for you to connect with your, your family and friends. But then also one of the things that is, is like a, an activity that people can begin to do is start volunteering together. Like one of, if you have a good close mm. group of friends, talk to them about going and volunteering together as an act of almost like adventure and combined with love activism and go into your community and, and, and do this together. When we, when we band together in this way, especially with people that we care about, there's so much more potent energy behind it. And then you can, you know, you can always expand your friend group to, to invite other friends to come in to volunteer with you. And it's a fun way to, to get stuff done in the community rather than it being kind of a solemn thing. And, you know, even if your friends don't want to do it, just even getting out into the community and making new friends by volunteering with people who are already volunteering and, and expanding your own social circle that way is a really great way to, to be, you know, a, a love activist in the world. And then getting be, even beyond that, like doing whatever you can to support legislation that supports help through, you know, across the, your nation. And then also that supports help to other nations because, you know, the truth is, is if we were born in a country with few resources and dictatorships and major problems and enslavement, we would want people to care about us in yeah. the world and to want to bring about change to free us too. We, we would hope someone would know we were suffering and would, would, would come to our rescue somehow. And so the divine is really clear and it's been really clear that there are people who are hungry in the world and no one's bringing them food. There are people who are, mm. who are thirsty and they don't have any clean drinking water. And there are people who are cold and no one's bringing them anything to warm them. And, and I was very fortunate. Mm. The divine actually gave me a very strong experience of this inability to get warmed up one time during a meditation. It didn't matter what I did. I couldn't get warm. And I had like five blankets on me and I was like, what is going on? And the divine was trying to teach me like what physically, what it feels like to never be able to get warm and, and, and said to me very specifically that line, there are people who are cold and shivering in the world. 
no one's bringing them a blanket and nobody's providing them a safe space to be warm and basically said, you can do better and referring to the world, not just me personally, but me personally too, you can do better. And I said, and I said, it's true. We can do better because if I was shivering in the cold, I would hope someone would bring me, definitely bring me a blanket. Wow. So then, Tara, what do you do? I mean, of course, the book and you work with people. Do you do other community-based work or humanitarian work? How, how, how do you extend out with this love activism? Mm-hmm. So, well, for me, this has been, this love activism has been new in the last year. And so my main ah, focus has been okay. on getting this message out to the world. And then this new uh, book that the, that I transcribed from the divine that's coming out it goes more in depth of, of what the divine actually is asking us to do, and so uh, me educating, um, sharing, mentoring with people about this is is what I actively do. Um, at the same time, I'm also involved with uh, fundraising for uh, a very specific tribe in the Amazon forest, who are mm-hmm. love activists and that they are guarding beautiful sacred land that is is our inheritance it's the inheritance of the world and they are guarding this wealth and they're they're actively doing it in a way that's so beautiful and so i was very fortunate to be invited into the amazon forest to meet this tribe uh in the summertime and when i went in there i walked into what i could describe as the field of love and it was the garden of eden and the beautiful Amazon forest itself is a field of love. A lot of people refer to it as the lungs of the world. It is both the That's lungs right. and the heart. It's both the lungs and the heart. It's so beautiful. And Hello. so the Amazon, oh, can you hear me still? Yeah, now you went out just like it. Okay. The lungs of the world, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the lungs and the heart of the world because mm-hmm. the Amazon forest itself is a loving act of service. It is, it is radiating out mm. an active field of love. And when I stepped into this one village, both the, the Yawanawa tribe, the indigenous peoples there, and the Amazon welcomed me like I was coming home and shared with me their wisdom as though it was mine. And they had told this story about how they've been, uh, they were told by their, a beautiful angel grandfather, who they refer to as an angel. He was such a wise man who had the ability to see into the future. And he told them, people from, from around the world are going to come to you. And when they come to you, give them everything. And they said, well, we don't have anything mm-hmm. to give them. And he said, you absolutely do. You have your songs and your medicines and your traditions. He said, so keep singing your songs, keep doing your practices. And when we arrived, uh, the group that I went with arrived in the Amazon, these people, when we were awake, every waking moment, they were singing for us, these sacred songs. And these songs were activating us in this field of love to remind us about love. It was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. Uh, And so I actually... Oh, no. Oh, sorry to cut you off here. Yeah, I hate to. I love what you're sharing. It's just been so um, 
uplifting and, you know, just heartwarming. And what I love is that you're giving a way that people can do something immediately and on their own. You know, it's um, not only just starts with them, but starts with what's around them, and that will make a difference. Um, and you are making a difference in the world. So thank you, Tara, so much for being on the program. So appreciate you taking the time to share with us. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Keep in touch. Much peace. Okay. Take care. All right, everyone. That was Tara Bianca. You can find out more information by going to tarabianca.com. All the info will be in the description box. And we were diving into her book, The Flower of Heaven, Opening the Divine Heart Through Conscious Friendship and Love Activism. Wow. Good stuff. All right, everyone, um, great to connect with all of you as always and continue to shine your light, share your insight, and, of course, keep away. Awakenings broadcast every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Archive shows available on iTunes. For continued awakened conversations and insights, join the Awakenings group on Facebook. And check out Michelle's blog at soulplayground.com. And keep awake. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.